Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Green estate in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Welcome back to another animalistic episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets. And joining me from the middle of the country... Kyra Hawkins. Yay! We are here to discuss animals, dogs specifically. Our love, our hatred for all things animals. That didn't sound right. (laughs) I'm leaving it in. Because this, <laughs> I'm I'm completely transparent on these things, and you know that I meant our love of animals and our hatred of how they are treated. There we go. That's the term. All right. For those of you who don't know about tonight's movie, it is called The Biscuit Eater, and don't worry, hardly no one saw it, so you're not alone. It was released March the twenty second, nineteen seventy two. And are you ready for the box office on it, Kyra? I'm prepared to be underwhelmed. $421,000. Oh, ouch. Yeah. And I had to go to four different sites to find that information. It was not available on Wikipedia. It was not available on um, Box Office Mojo. It was actually on IMDb. So it made what would have been $3 million. That's that's not even going to pay the salary for the named actor on this, which I think that would have been Godfrey Cambridge because he was a comic at the time from what I read up on. And I don't really think there was any other big name stars. in. I didn't recognize a single person. You didn't recognize the German wire haired pointer named moreover. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Skipping ahead a little. I loved when um, the mom was like, that's not a name. Yeah, the and that's actually in my notes. I'm not revealing too much. So I take it this is now one of your top five favorite movies because you've seen it 38 times in the last 10 years. Mm, no. Um, actually, I was um, earlier this evening, I was talking to my husband about this movie and I was like, you know, I think it's grown on me a little since I first watched it. But um, if we did a Best Five, Worst Five again at this point, it might make it into the Worst Five or Honorable Mention or Dishonorable Mention. (laughs) (laughs) But like I said, it's grown on me, I think, over the last couple of days where I'm like, okay, like, it's not great, but it's really not that bad. Yeah, there are definitely worse movies out there. And if you have any questions about that, go back and listen to our 100th episode, where we discuss them at length. And then also last week's episode, where we broke down Kyra's number one again for many reasons. Oh, I feel like that's going to be a benchmark I will keep thinking back to. Like, I I was never going to watch that movie again, and it just keeps coming up. Well, as long as you keep talking about it, 
and not actually sitting down to the four hour and 16 minute epic that is that movie, we can keep it as something to never have to watch again. (laughs) It's memory will be kept alive, however, because I can't shut up about it, apparently. (laughs) So the synopsis, which comes to us care of Wikipedia and my hastily scribbled down notes, goes a little something like this. The story revolves around a German wire-haired pointer named Moreover, who has a strong relationship with a boy named Lonnie. Moreover is given away to Willie Dorsey, a gas station clerk, but Lonnie and his best friend text gain possession of the dog through somewhat deceitful bargaining, securing the reluctant respect of Willie. The boys train Moreover to be a prize-winning bird dog, entering him in a field trip. The dog was, was initially raised by... Lonnie's father, Harvey McNeil, who is an award-winning dog trainer. Although Lonnie viewed Moreover as a, as a personal pet and close, and close friend, his father considered the dog to be untrainable and a lackluster hunting dog due to his predilection to eat chicken eggs and biscuits instead of learning to train to be a bird dog. As he did not wish for Moreover to negatively influence the other hunting dogs on the farm, Harvey gives the dog to Willie who has previously asked Harvey for a dog to keep as a companion. Lonnie, distraught over the loss of his pet, conspires with his best friend Text to trick Willie, who infamously loves to infamously loves to engage in various trades with local individuals to regain possession of the dog by having Willie trade them the dog for assistance with manual labor. Text, who lives on a farm, takes several eggs from his family's chicken coop to Willie's gas station and gives them to Moreover. Willie, who had initially been hesitant to take possession of the dog due to his reputation of eating eggs, finds Moreover eating the eggs, which he believes to be from his personal stash, and becomes irate at the dog's behavior. Lonnie and Text are overjoyed that their plan to deceive Willie worked and quickly offered to trade the dog in return for helping Willie carry firewood to his home. Willie agrees to the trade, and the boys decide to secretly train the dog together to become a prize-winning bird dog. Much to the chagrin of Lonnie's father, Lonnie and Tex decide to enter Moreover in the state championship trial. Moreover does well, and an incident makes the boys think that Lonnie's father will lose his dog training job if his dog, last year's champion Silver Bell, loses to their dark horse entry. After throwing the trial and insulting Moreover, the boys return to their house with, moreover, a dejected dog. Mr. Ames comes down and meets with the boys and invites them to a rematch with Silver Bell at the National. The boys try to encourage Moreover, but nothing works. Moreover sneaks out and gets caught in Mr. Eben's chicken coop, but Harvey breaks him out, but not before Moreover is poisoned. Eben's dog runs off, and Eben and Harvey come to blows, and with Harvey getting the upper hand. Moreover recovers, and Mr. Ames promises that Moreover will be entered in next year's Nationals, but the boys decide to not to train Moreover until they are tricked by Willie to train for the next year. The movie ends with Moreover holding a point as the boys go up to shoot the birds and Ames talking about the future. The end. Alright, what were your first impressions of this movie? Um, in general... Uh, it was just another boy and his dog movie. Um, it had some cute moments, like as far as like 
morality lessons. Like, yeah. oh, like he's honest. Um, the little boy at Lonnie, and um, I really appreciated. Um, like, I'm not a film buff, and so I don't know like how things were in general in 1972, but I really appreciated um, the treatment of the black family mm-hmm. in the movie um, that like they were shown in a really positive light um, for the time, especially like coming out of the tumultuous sixties. Mm-hmm. I don't know what year this film was supposed to be set in, but um, whatever it was, they were very, it was very positive. Um, the friendship between Lonnie, the white boy, and Text, the black boy, was very sweet. Yeah. And and I just, um, I don't, I mean, it's a Disney movie, so I don't know what I expected. <laughs> but um, I don't know, that touched me, and I appreciated it a lot, especially considering how many times we've had content warnings mm-hmm. for negative depictions. Um so just in general, it was it was sweet, um, yeah. pretty predictable, was not horrible. Tough? Was it predictable? I thought so. Okay. All right. Well, we we'll, we'll start breaking down the predictabilities of it in a little bit. This was actually a remake of a 1940 movie. Yes. <laughs> Which I think it was originally based on a book. Yeah, it was. Based on a short story by the same name, by James Street, and it was a 1940 remake, or it was a remake of a 1940 movie starring Billy Lee as Lonnie. And of course we all know who Billy Lee is, because he went on to do Billy Lee kind of things. He was probably best remembered for the Biscuity. (laughs) That tells you. Oh, well he was in Our Gang. So, okay. And there we have it. There's your one to grow on for the night. As I said, I was looking at Grayson throughout the movie, and I actually turned to her at the very beginning when they were trying to teach that dog at this point, he had not been named, how to point. And I was like, did your dad ever have um, bird dogs? Because my dad had two when I was growing up, and I never went out hunting with him, so I couldn't say yay or nay. And I rewound it to where they were trying to teach the dog to point. And she's like, no, it's it's instinctual. You don't train them to point. So the fact that they somehow broke the dog to make him into a pointing bird dog kind of skewed the movie in a whole different direction for me. Because I was like, I mean, I had read the synopsis on it, but it... But I didn't, I couldn't figure out how they were going to get to where they were. With him being a dog that didn't point and laid down because he was a biscuit eating. Suck egg biscuit eater. Yes. So, um, like, that's actually why the the dad, what's the dad's name? Uh, um, the dad's name was Harvey. Harv. Harv. Yes. Harv. Um,. So that was like Harv's problem with the dog, like, and why he was getting rid of it to begin with, because like he was baffled as to why this dog that was bred to do this wouldn't do it or mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Um, but I'm going to back up just for a second okay. and, and say the opening song, 
which also then is the closing song, <laughs> the theme of this movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, it went on forever. It could have been just one verse in the chorus maybe a couple times, but no. There are three verses about Moreover and Me. Uh, and that song has been stuck in my head <laughs> for the last week. Like, I watched it the first time a week ago. I watched it once since um, I have a dog. So I've been singing that song to my Yorkie for several days now with, so, like, words that I made up myself. So have you taken your Yorkie out to try to teach him how to point and how to chase down birds? No. He's um, he's going to be 12 next month. And he gives zero craps about anything <laughs> that is not a treat or um, a treat. <laughs> and meanwhile, we have my dog, who is six going on two months old, <laughs> because he has officially forgotten everything that he was trained on, except how to sit, how to lie down, and how to shake. He... Anytime there is a dog or a squirrel or a bird anywhere within four yards, he can hear them and he wants to get at them. <laughs> Yet the one thing that we want for him to capture, which is our chipmunk population, he doesn't care about. So have you tried to train him to point? Oh, he points very well. He does actually have some pointer in him, but it, it it's not worth what he's pointing at <laughs> because it could be a three pound chihuahua that is out walking with its master at nine o'clock at night or it's a squirrel that just taunts him 17 times a day because it is still faster than he is so yeah he he points on occasion and it trips me out when he does but i'm definitely not going to take him out to hunt birds or squirrels, or else I will probably lose an arm. <laughs> so, the thing that kept me laughing during this movie were all of the sayings that they had. And I actually wrote down a few of them. Oh, great. Just one fly will spoil the buttermilk. Slicker than a, than a sap elm, or elm <laughs> sap. Stinkier than ten buckets of pig slop on a rainy night. And a lot of sweetening in the name. None of those are good. <laughs> and it kind of makes me wonder where this movie was set. Not so much what time frame it was. Because I grew up in Virginia. And the only one that I actually remember hearing my mom say was just one flower spoil the buttermilk. And she was raised in North Carolina. So I don't know if that was a generational or a regional thing on it. Um... Well, apparently it was, well, I don't know. <laughs> the original was set in 1940. Okay. This one, I don't know time. I don't know. Uh, well, I want to say that the location, because like Mr. Ames, didn't they, there was like something about him bringing um, Willie, the gasless gas station owner, like cigars from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So um, I wondered it seemed like Mr. Ames must live so far away, but, um, I mean, he was driving his car everywhere, so. Yeah, and he had what? A, he said he had a 30-gallon tank? Yeah. 
Well, so, gas would have gas would have been probably twenty cents a gallon, if that. So it would have cost you a whole six dollars to fill up, as as opposed to now where you're talking three hundred dollars to fill up your tank of gas. Um, not quite, but it feels like. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. Willie just tripped me out the way that he was constantly trying to basically get something for nothing. He's tra- yeah, and trying to make a buck. Yeah, and he did make. $3 during the movie and had the kids doing all of his um all of his wood chopping but they didn't bring it and they didn't stack it so I was proud of him for that and then every time he did he did give away his eggs to Mr. Ames which was about the only thing that he ever really gave away but that was because he got a box of cigars out Well I think that Mr. Ames actually gave him a dollar for the eggs I might be wrong, but I, I think that he ended up, like, not, like, swindling him, but, like, talking him out of mm-hmm. money. But, um, like, I liked Mr. Ames. He was cool. Because um, he was just, like, you could just kind of tell that he enjoyed Willie as a person and yeah. then he was bringing him gifts. So I thought that was cool. Um, I'm, I found online that this takes place in Georgia. Okay. Well, that explains it. I'm going to start using them, them, them Narsaians tomorrow morning with all my peoples. And then have people start looking at me like, what? Those are words. What they, language are you? Yeah, what language are you speaking? While we're on the subject of people that we like and don't like, was the only reason why Eben was in the movie was to have a villain? I guess. It was dumb. Like, the whole movie could have done without him and still had the exact same result, honestly. Like, anybody could have done what he ends up doing. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, the whole... It's not like the whole movie there's building up to the fight scene that happens at the end. But, like, that was the only reason he was in there was to give um, Harv somebody to punch. Yeah, I could could see that. And he was was antagonistic to a fault. He wasn't one... I mean, he was somebody that I would not want to meet... No matter where you are, yeah. Because it was, he seemed like the kind of person that would, even if you did do something, he would try to one up you to to be better off than you are. Yeah, he was just a jerk. Yeah. In general, and a bad neighbor. Yeah, because you uh, know you're you know you're going to have dogs running across property if they aren't um, kenneled up or kept on a leash or in the house. Where and, of course you don't lock your doors because we're talking the 40s, 50s, somewhere around there, and you don't have, you didn't have anything to really worry about. So if your dog got out, you knew where you could go to look to find him. Um. So I have a note about Harv and Mary Lee getting flirty after we've actually. I think it's after the first. Is it the first time that we meet Mr. Eben? Yes. And. They have, like, this whole exchange, like, he's got some kind of scheme, Harv, and then she, like, makes a comment about how she, like, tricked him into marrying her, and Mm -hmm. he's like, how'd you do that? And she turns around and takes a few steps, all like, (laughs) and I just was like, why is this here? There's no, like, they're (laughs) two, like, attractive people, they have a kid, like, this is not necessary. Why are we doing this? Well, sometimes you just need to flirt with your husband. But in a, in this movie, oh, not necessary. <laughs> uh, but well, I, go ahead. Oh, I the thought's lost. I lost it. Oh, no. 
when we were first introduced to text. And for those of you playing along at home, this is not T-E-X as in Texas. This is T-E-X-T as in a text that is sent between two people. Mm-hmm. They introduce him, and I'm like, well, that's a weird name for a kid. Because this movie wasn't set in 2010, or even 2020, where you could expect your third child to be called text because you've run out of names for your children. And I'm looking at you, Elon Musk, and your children named Six and whatever the the second one that just changed everything to be away from you is. But and they go by X and Y. Yeah. Anyways, text. Yes. So I actually had written down why would a mother name their child text, <laughs> and then you actually got the backstory on it. And I'm like, that is actually a great name for a child because the when mother. You... Yes, because all of the preaching is done out of the text. And I'm like, wow, there's so much to unpack in that that you just, you kind of, I would want to see a movie made about text and what the rest of his life would be. Yeah, that'd be good. Disney, if you're listening. Which they are, because Big Brother's listening and Big Brother and Disney are in cahoots with each other, so. (laughs) We, We will get the text spinoff that nobody wanted because they will probably not do it right and he'll probably end up moving to Chicago or something like that and being down on his luck and and having a fine Lonnie to turn it all around. Mm, Or text um, trains a um, like dog show winner. Yeah, that would probably be the better one that I would want to see but... Given the way that Disney's doing movies now, it probably would be closer to mine, my version, but I would pay to see your version. Yeah, me too. So, how old would you say that Lonnie actually was in this? Um, they tell us that he's 12. Okay. Um, I would have guessed a little younger. I mean, my nephew is 13. Okay. And um, he's much bigger and um, a little more mature than, than Lonnie. Although, I don't know, it was the 70s, so. Okay. The reason why I'm asking, now that we know that it was set in Georgia, I don't know of any child that was raised in that time period that did not know how to carry a gun at his age. I thought of that... When the dad, like, kind of admonishes him for how he's holding it. And it's like, okay, first of all, dad, Harv, whatever. Like, (laughs) he has this gun from Willie that you don't even know where it came from. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're just okay. Like, I mean, I guess they're all friends. But, like, you're just okay with the gas station guy giving your kid a gun. And then (laughs) even after... Harv shows Lonnie how to carry it properly. It's still like, if you're paying attention, it's still like just getting pushed over his shoulder and pointed and mm-hmm. at, at people like not on purpose, but he's yeah. still holding it right. Yeah. Because I mean, I took a, and, and keep in mind, I grew up in Virginia in the eighties to early nineties. My school actually had a gun safety course when I was 16 or 17. And I was probably the only kid in the class that hadn't 
fired anything other than a BB gun or maybe a 410. And they actually took us out to a camp that the school had and were showing us how to like shoot play pigeons and stuff like that. And it was, for everybody that hunted, it was second nature. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why Lonnie wouldn't have picked up the way to hold your gun, especially if your dad trains champion bird dog. Yes. Because you're not going to have your dad just slinging the gun around and possibly shooting a bird dog that's worth more than your entire property. Right. Well, and even if Lonnie is, like, not super in tune to what his dad's doing, Mm -hmm. he's around it enough. I mean, he actually kind of is because he knows... Um, enough that he's working on training a dog. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it it didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I'm glad you brought it up because I had it in my notes, um, <laughs> that especially the part where, like like I said, every, even after Harv teaches him how to do it right, it's still, like, at all kinds of weird angles that it shouldn't be. And then also, if you've been around guns pretty much your whole life which you would think he would be if he's being raised on a bird dog breeding place you wouldn't flinch when you fire the gun the first time even if that is your first time firing a gun although um like i wasn't raised around bird dogs or anything but like there were guns you know i grew up around Mm -hmm. i'm not myself a gun person and um so like i know how to handle them um i i would still flinch i have still flinched well but but if you also only have one bullet like they had i wouldn't have taken my eye off of any of the birds just to shoot up in and hope that one of them gets hit right so um so Boys are going to enter, well, I mean, we kind of skipped over how they acquired the dog, but it doesn't really matter at this point. They're, they're, they've are they're been training him, and they're going to enter him in the same, is it a competition? That yeah, the dad... it's, it's, the, it's the, basically the nationals, or the might be the regionals that, that will get you to the nationals. Yeah, because like, they get invited to the Grand Nationals or something later on. So, um, I kind of, uh, I liked how it showed the dad, Harv, like, kind of struggling with this, um, as he's talking to Mr. Ames, who, you know, technically owns the dog or did own the dog, um, his boss, basically, um, he's like, man, the dog's pretty good, but he, like, he kind of um admits that he's anxious about it and it seems like he man he's a good dad like he doesn't want um the boys to be discouraged or hurt or whatever but you can also like get the sense that he himself does not want to be embarrassed by this Mm -hmm. yeah because i mean we don't know how long they had been training the dog, which is named Moreover. Mm-hmm. That's which, not a name. But it's a great name for the dog because it's because you find out that he is Moreover than anything else that you 
that you have in the movie. Um, so, moreover, has been trained for however long. And Lonnie and Tex pay their admission, and they find out through the grapevine that their dog may beat Lonnie's dad's dog. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's hinted at that if that happens, then Lonnie's dad's going to get fired. Which yeah. later on we find out is a very bad joke. Yeah, like, I mean, it kind of happens, like, in a moment of, like, guy talk during a break in the competition where the boss is kind of like, man, he's doing so good. We might have to, like, you might lose your job because he's so much better than you. Mm-hmm. Which then the waiter, like, relays to someone in the kitchen and, like, he's taking it seriously. And then, of mm-hmm. course, text overhears it and is, like, horrified. Um, I thought, like, oh, it's so sweet. And, like, how sweet and innocent these boys are. Yeah. And so they're both fighting with their conscience about what needs to be done because... I mean, if Lonnie's dad loses the loses his job, they lose their house. It kind of <laughs> seems like, and then what's going to happen? And so the second day of the competition goes on, and moreover, is just out there showing off, doing what he does. He's being great. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the kind of bird dog that everybody would actually want if they didn't know that he hadn't been a bird dog three months earlier. Right. And it all comes down to one, I guess it's like the final shot of the match. And Lonnie calls the bird dog, or calls moreover, the worst name for any kind of dog that you could ever hear. Uh, Egg sucking, no good, biscuit eater. And it's some, like, so it's a running theme through the movie that that hurts the dog's feelings. Mm -hmm. Like he somehow knows what it means. Um, regardless of the tone that you use. I think mm-hmm. I could call my dog anything, and as long as I said it's sweet, he wouldn't care. But whatever. <laughs> like, it's a running theme through this movie that, like, if you say that word in front of the dog, it's going to hurt his feelings. Yeah. Uh, and so it hurts his feelings, and he runs away. Um, and they've effectively thrown the competition. And the Wikipedia entry ends prior to this actually happening. And so they've effectively broken a perfectly good, effectively a great bird dog. And you're, and I hit pause just to see where we were, and we still have like 40 minutes left in the movie. I'm like, what's what's going to happen? Because I'm at the end of my synopsis, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to figure out where the movie's going. Yeah. And so text has been feeding. They they take him back. And he's living with text because he won't have anything to do with Lonnie because Lonnie's called him this despicable name that has basically made him not like Lonnie anymore. As far as I could tell, that's what I'm figuring. Yeah. And so text is feeding moreover and come to find out that text has been feeding him egg yolks on top of his food to keep him eating. And so Lonnie brings over some scraps one night from obviously a side of beef or something that his mom had chopped up and he was going to give them to moreover and moreover doesn't eat them. And so they start trying to rehabilitate the dog by 
using the name as not a derogatory term, but that they both love to eat biscuits. And I mean, I love to eat biscuits. So <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I guess I'm a biscuit eater too. So we'll yeah, just we'll was, deal with that. This part was uh, kind of cute because they're just like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Uh, you're an idiot too. It's great. It was cute how they were just like, like thinking that that would work. Um, and uh, it turns out that's not what's wrong with the dog. I'll, well, I don't. I was confused, honestly. Um, in a minute, we find out that he's been sneaking out and eating eggs in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, and of course, you know, then Mister Even poisons, um, feeds him poisoned eggs. But I was confused about, like, was he so mopey because he didn't feel good because he had already eaten poisoned eggs? I think he wasn't feeling good because he had already been eating. It wasn't poisoned until Eben sees him come on the property and locks him in the in the hen house. And I don't understand how he got the poisoned eggs in there. Or if he just threw in some poison on top of the eggs and moreover ate them. It's, it's never really actually broken down. You're just yeah. left to imagine that Eben's an evil man that get, should have his own Star Wars spinoff. Yeah, well, and oh, just everything about him is... It's creepy. Yeah, like the way he talks is kind of... Like if I had someone in... Man... I hope none of my neighbors listen to this. If I had someone in my neighborhood that was like that, I would be like, stay away from that guy. Because he is a major creep. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he gave off perv vibes, for for lack of a better term. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. I, I, I know what time it is, so it's that time. So we will we will try to push through this so you can do what you got to do. No, it's all good. Um. Yeah, so he, however it comes about, he eats the eggs, um, text has, like, realized something's off, well, because he wakes up um, mm-hmm. when, when the dog sneaks out, and so he's followed him there, and then um, is able to alert Harv, who goes and rescu- rescues him, um, and then we finally get, like, the fight that has kind of been building since the one scene earlier in the movie (laughs) maybe two but i only remember one um where mr even is a creepy jerk and harv gets to beat the crap out of him yeah well i think i think there may have been like little seeds that have been dropped a couple of times when even drops by and just says something and it's actually one of my notes that the mom's name is Mary Lee. Mm-hmm. She has no problem. She she doesn't want horror fighting until Lonnie gets mentioned. And then the instant that Lonnie gets mentioned, all bets are off, and she doesn't have a problem with horror pounding Eben into submission. But that's not the reason why he's beaten into submission. It's because he's his dog gets loose the next morning, or two or three mornings, whenever time is very iffy in this movie so we don't know if there's a week that's passed or if it's the next morning moreover is better by now and then yeah. he catches mr eben's dog like and, running 
their place. And chains him up because he says no one who has poisoned a dog deserves to have a dog. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with that. And so Eben steps foot on property, and now you're trespassing, so now I'm just going to beat the le- ever-living you-know-what out of you. And so fisticuffs are, are thrown, and Eben runs off with his tail between his legs, along with his dog, and he's not seen or heard from again, I don't think, during the No, I mean, it wraps up pretty soon after this, but, like, um, the fight happens. You know, I think normally I would be like, this scene went on too long. Um, I think I feel like I say that a lot. This didn't bother me, though, because... That guy had it coming. Yeah. Um, I did like <laughs> after the fight that, um, well, I have a couple notes about the fight. First of all, especially in this scene, but really throughout the movie, there are a lot of weird, like close up shots of, mm-hmm. of people reacting to whatever it like. It shows us something happened. And then it's like a really close up shot of just their head reacting to whatever just took place. And so it seems like there's a lot of that in this fight scene. Mm -hmm. Um, But then at the end, when it's over and even leaves, um, Harv kind of looks over his shoulder at Mary Lee. There's no dialogue, but the look that he gives her is like, did I do good? And she just kind of smiles and does like a little nod, like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. I flashback to that flirty scene earlier in the movie and I'm just like oh stop looking at each other like that (laughs) (laughs) my gosh now I'm going to have to go back and watch it just to see the no I won't what am I saying I I mean it's kind of cute because he's really like did I do good yeah and she just affirms like his masculinity or whatever (laughs) it was cute but uh, I don't know it made me laugh I don't think it was supposed to be funny no, nah, it probably wasn't, but I, 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 the way that it's described, I could see where people would chuckle if they were sitting in the movie theater, or three or four that actually went to see the movie. So the Mr. Ames comes down because he's looking for Lonnie and Tex, and he's basically invited them to the Grand Nationals. Oh, we're out of order. This actually happens before the poisoning. Um I'm pretty sure that's right. Because um, yeah. he rides yeah, into the nationals when it's revealed, like, oh, your dad's job was never in danger. And then the dog gets poisoned. And right after that, that's when they start using the reverse psychology on the dog, thinking that it's going to work. Yeah. And so they don't know if they're going to train, they're going to start retraining moreover or not. Yeah. Like, he. Mr. Ames, like, invites them to the Grand Nationals. All the drama happens. And then, like, he comes back and is like, listen, I heard about this horrible thing that happened. And you can't, like, enter him until he's fully rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, he's been through a lot. You just can't do it this time. So that's where we're at, where they're just, like, dejected and, like, now what are we going to do? Yeah. And so, meanwhile, Willie has had text mom cook up some concoction for the poisoning and I don't I don't know if there were supposed to be subtle hints that text mom and 
Willie liked each other, or if it was just to have the ending play out. Because next thing we know, Lonnie, or, um, Lonnie and Text and Text Mom and Willie are sitting down around the table, mm-hmm. and Willie starts doling out money, saying, "Well, there's this guy that wants the dog because the dog." beat his dog in the first day of competition and he's wanting to pay y'all and he starts throwing down tens and i'm like and so suddenly the boys are all excited about wanting to train the dog again yeah he he i think he gets up to like a hundred dollars yeah it was it was a hundred dollars which i mean 1940s we're talking a good little bit of money yeah i mean it's still a good little bit of money now but still it's like the prospect of potentially not having the dog reminds them, like, what's at stake for them mm-hmm. and for the dog, I guess. And they're like, oh, no, we love this dog. And come to find out that the money didn't actually belong to the to the guy that was beaten. It was actually Tex's mom's money. And so she says, <laughs> tells him to put it back in the bank and can't remember how the movie actually ended was it end did it end with the possibility of this one having a sequel um so like there's the money is Ch- miss miss tomlin or whatever um charity is her name mm-hmm. uh, text mom and um the boys run out and start they're recommitted to training this dog because he's going to be even better and he's going to be so ready mm-hmm. next year um Mr. Ames and Harv and Mary Lee come back and their dog that they've, you know, Silver Bell, I think, mm-hmm. that we didn't talk about, but is other- otherwise in the movie. Um, <laughs> she's won Grand Nationals. It's great. Everybody's happy. Um, uh, Mr. Ames gives Willie cigarettes or cigars. Sorry. <laughs> cigars, um, cigarettes, yeah. vodka, whiskey. Uh, and then I think it's like the boys tell, like they see the boys training the dog and, you know, they have a happy reunion. And then, um, the dad's like, but how long are you going to let that dog stand there pointing? And they realize that the dog's so good that he's just been waiting patiently for them mm-hmm. to come and find the birds. And then, um, it's, it's cute. It's sweet, happy ending. Um, like it's really sugary. Um, <laughs> It didn't bother me, like like I said, predictable. And then um, we get three more verses of the longest theme song ever, um, which will be the outro for the show. Yeah, so so, so I don't have to sing it. <laughs> no, well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to grace us, okay. Uh, no, I I mean, like I said, I've been singing it to my own dog in a really exaggerated <laughs> southern accent for several days now. Um, substituting my own words in <laughs> here and there to describe whatever's happening with my dog. So, um, while I may never watch this movie again, the song is going to live on forever. Yeah, the the song is definitely an earworm. So you're welcome in advance for me putting it on at the end of the show. I, it's it's an earworm, but not in the sense of um. Fortuosity? No, it is in the sense of fortuosity. It's not an earworm in the sense of like the Bullwhip Griffin song that made me 
so happy. Okay. Well, you have left me as mixed up as a cross-eyed owl. <laughs> I wrote that down and, and, and didn't throw it in with the rest of the sayings for whatever reason. All right. Do you have anything else before we bring this to a pointer? Um, actually, one last thing. Um, like, at the beginning of this conversation, I know, like, I got a little serious about um, the depiction of the black family and, you know, their treatment and how I was impressed by it. Um, there's one scene, I think, around the time that, like, Harve and Charity are talking about whether the boys should be able to enter the competition. And she um, says uh, to him, bless you for being so good to my boy. I might cry. Um, It was just, it was really sweet. And um, I don't know. I think I'm just like emotional anyways, but it made me think of like for that time, all of the racism that they have probably experienced Mm -hmm. and how, um, what a relief it must be to her as a mom to know that her son's being loved and cared for and treated well by this white family, you know, when they've probably experienced the opposite before. Um, I don't know. It was really touching. I'm making myself cry. Um, so I don't know. I said I wouldn't watch this movie again, but that part stuck with me a lot. So you may have to fast forward to that part and then fast forward to the end so that way you can hear the song again. Yeah. When I want a good cry, I'll watch that scene and think about, you know, how there's good people in the world. Yeah. And we got to actually see a good portrayal um, in this movie. Well, since we have brought this show to a serious point... Sorry. <laughs> you were fine. That that is a great seg segue. I, I I like it. The three questions which are asked in every show. What is today's impact of this on this movie? Or is there anything? Mm, I mean, obviously technology would change things like it always does. Like I think I say that every time. <laughs> um I don't really know much about like the world of bird dogs and dog training and hunting um that's not your normal saturday afternoon no well it's not even like they're really hunting is it like this is kind of just sport shooting um well it is and it isn't because it's it's sport shooting yes but once willie found out the reason for wanting the gun he's like well if y'all will bring me one whatever bird you find i'll um, let you keep i'll let you keep the dog or i'll let you keep your keep the gun he's but, wanting to hunt for him but um, we didn't say nothing about no bullets yeah. so. um i i mean today's impact on this movie probably wouldn't be that different but i feel like i mean they could easily update it for the times if they wanted to i don't think that they should but it's there Yeah, and I'm actually surprised that it didn't get extra remakes, kind of like Emil and and the Detectives have gotten. Actually, if I were... I'm sorry. If I... I would watch this again before I would watch that again. (laughs) So, if if Disney wrote to me or emailed me or called me or whatever and was like, hey, which one of these would you rather see? 
remade. I would go with Biscuit Eater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could I could I would definitely sit down and watch this before that or the worst movie ever made. If you if you had to stick me in a room and say you have to watch this one three times before we let you out, okay. Well I mean it's yeah. ninety minutes, so we're talking three and a half, four and a half hours. It's not a bad time, although it does have some down points in it. Second question, is the movie mirrored in culture? I mean, obviously, you have bird dogs that hunt to this day. I don't know if you have the Grand Nationals like you did in the book or the movie. Because, I mean, I'm not a huntsman. I'm not versed on that. But if you are a hunter and you know about the Grand Nationals, you know what you can do? can write into us be kind rewind dmp at gmail.com and the dmp stands for disney plus movie podcast so the third and final question that we ask on every episode how does this fit into today's society i mean other than they still hunt and still use bird dogs for hunting i can't really say anything that will rock people's worlds as far as how much this movie is ingrained in today's society. Yeah, I mean, it's not well known at all. No. So, um, probably not really. Yeah. Considering, I think this is the first movie that has made less than a million dollars for Walt Disney in a hundred and however many episodes we've done there's i mean there's been movies that have made a million or just over a million but there's never been one that looks like it was in three movie theaters for two weekends in the middle of march during spring break well for those of you who have stuck around for this for for this long-ish episode thank you for listening to us we appreciate you We especially appreciate our new listener in Brazil who has been downloading our entire back catalog over the last few weeks. So, welcome. Buenos dias, if that's the proper language. If not, write into us and tell us. As always, we have homework for your next week's episode. I know nothing about this movie. Obviously, Kyra knows something about this movie. No one can see the face I'm making. <laughs> so, so, so we are marching ever slowly towards Kyra's favorite movie of all times, mm-hmm. and she has one more week until it's actually talked about. Next week's episode is Snowball Express. No, it's not. Is it? It is. Oh. <laughs> Followed by Robin Hood. And we actually have a special guest lined up who has told us that he wants to talk about Robin Hood. So that will be coming up in two weeks. And then after that, Cairo will bid us a fond farewell because she has done her due diligence. And she is... (laughs) And I joke every time because I'm afraid it's going to happen. She's like, well, I've done my favorite movie, so... (laughs) Listen... I wasn't just sticking it out through all these bad movies for Robin Hood. I can talk about Robin Hood on Facebook anytime I want. (laughs) All right. So you know your next two movies now. You have Snowball Express and then 
some little known movie called Robin Hooden. Robin. So did you catch how like shocked I was? I didn't. I really thought you were about to say Robin Hood. And you threw out Snowball Express. I'm like, no, there was such a buildup. Get <laughs> me serious. Well, you, you know I love to keep you on, on the edge of your seats here at Be Kind Rewind. So those of you who want to hear Kyra's thoughts on Robin Hood, they're coming up. You have to listen to a episode about a movie that neither of us know about. But it will be fun because those are usually the ones that we dig the most unless they are the worst movie ever made which is fortuosities mm. don't remind me of that word don't hey, say that. I, hey i have to keep it in the lexicon or else people will forget about them <sighs> so until we meet again stay safe stay hungry and don't leave your dog in a point for too long y'all have a good night Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. of all through times good and bad he was always around never once letting me down he's just a dog but he's my friend through thick and through thin with patience to lend sampling life so happily growing together moreover and me
There's much more to life, and I'm sure you'll agree. We're content to be happy and free. He's just a dog, but he's my friend. Through thick and through thin, with patience to lend. Treating each other equally. Learning together, moreover and me. Now you try it.